Academy episode 36. Certainly there are going to be some technicians that say, hey, I've already I've already gotten you know hornswoggled into doing this great big purchase of tools. And I really strongly suspect that if Matt had gotten this opportunity at the Toyota dealership when he was first starting out, it would have been the greatest experience ever versus now once you had once you've already spent the sixty thousand dollars farm, you don't think about it, right? The payments are done, you own all your tools. So it's it's the, the pain is over at that point in time. Um, so, so the established guys, certainly it's not going to impact them as much, but it's the younger guys coming in to get that opportunity. I think it's a difference between being able to get into the automotive trade and not being able to be in the automotive trade. Welcome automotive aftermarketers to a remarkable results radio town hall Academy. Listen to learn just one thing from today's episode on your journey to remarkable results. Welcome Aftermarket Tribe to the Town Hall Academy from Remarkable Results Radio. Carm Capriato here with a hot topic discussion, 10 Reasons to Buy Technician's Tools. Hey, if you're new to the podcast, I've got some advice for you. But first, I want to thank Jasper Engines and Transmissions for their support. What do you do when your customer's engine or transmission fails? Well, it's not the end of the road. Make the decision to call Jasper Engines and Transmissions for a remanufactured drivetrain product. You will give your customer's vehicle a new lease on life. Okay, it's your first couple of times listening, and you look at the library of content, and as of today, 264 episodes and 36 Academy lessons, nearly 300 listening events, like books to read. Now, don't let it be overwhelming for you. It's no different than the great industry magazines you need to get to each month. Now, the stories and lessons in the Aftermarket's premiere podcast allow the voices to inspire you in a personal way. You don't have to listen to every one, but there is a powerful message in each one of them. In fact, in the website, you'll find that I've categorized every episode into about 11 different series, so you can find an area of special interest. The other powerful tool on the website is the Tag Cloud that dives even deeper into specific content. Once you've identified the episode number you want to hear, go to your portable listening app, find those episodes, and listen to just those that touch your specific field of interest. Now remember, you don't need to take your eyes off the road to listen and learn just one thing. Now with me in this Academy episode on buying technicians' tools is Peter Rudloff from Pete's Garage in Newark, Delaware, John Bridgewater from Wright's Service in San Leandro, California, and for his first appearance, Matthew Skundrich, owner of Mobile Diagnostics and Programming in St. Cloud, Florida. These owners brought their A-game to the discussion, and they're here because they have a passion for the subject. Find extended bios and the already written talking points for you at remarkableresults.biz slash A036. Now, here we go with a great discussion on 10 reasons for buying technician's tools. So here's how this whole thing started. Pete writes an article for Auto Inc. magazine. I read it. I saved it. And then Matt Skundrich writes this rant, everybody, in Facebook. And it goes on for pages and pages and pages. And I said, ooh, Pete and Matt. And then, of course, John said, hey, I'm all on this thing. But Pete, in your article, the, the key, one of the key, your first, your first pointer was, well, this is tradition. So this is what we have to keep doing. Yeah. So, and a lot of traditions are based on, you know, ill thinking basically. So you've got this tradition of the technician supplies their tools in order for them to come to work. 
and the shop owner just supplies a roof, right? Well, this is the only trade really that that's expected of anybody. You don't go into any electrical, plumbing, those kind of trades. You know, your your carpenters they don't show up with a tool belt. They get handed a tool belt when they show up every morning to work. Their you know their employers supply them the tools they need to do their job. And uh, for some reason, somehow auto mechanics got tricked a long time ago into thinking they need to invest tens of thousands of dollars into having the tools in order for them to do their job. And uh, it's really just backwards thinking. And it, it not only does it hurt the technician, but it hurts the shop owner ultimately because somebody's got to pay for those tools. And even though it looks like it's the technician that's paying for the tools, it's the shop owner that's ultimately paying. Because the shop owner's got to pay the kind of wage, so the tech will have some money to invest. And I would love to be around, Matt, I would love to be around the kitchen table when uh, that tool bill gets has to be paid either weekly or monthly, and the wife says, you really needed that $500 tool? No, you should see it when the uh, Consult 3 Plus scanner showed up on the door, and she's like, how much was that box? I'm like, you don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was like seven thousand bucks, and I was like, "I have to have this." But well, wait a minute now. Now I know you have your own company, Matt. But is this before that? Um. Well, okay. I didn't buy the consult before that, but I bought a J Box before that, and it was eight, no, three grand for the Bosch MasterTech VCI at the time because it came with some software. Because at the time, the shop didn't have an updated scanner, and I got sick of watching work go away. And I said, forget it. If I'm going to make $10, I'd rather make $10 and spend the money on the tool because eventually if I leave the tool's mine, I can make money with it forever. You know, thank God for the tool companies. And uh, this is no disrespect at all because they're still going to sell a ton of tools and, and, and they're still going to invent some great tools and, and give us problem solving, you know, devices to make our, our lives easier. But what's the interest rate on that? I mean, th- there's a there's a factor, Pete, right? Absolutely. A lot, of, a lot of times you're talking 10, 15, maybe 30% interest on top of the tools that you buy. And even when you get a deal where the tool truck guy will say, well, I'll hold it, I'll hold it on a tool truck account for you. And you just pay me you know, 25 or 50 bucks a week or something. You're paying a super premium for a tool, which builds in that, you know, that interest into the cost of the tool so that he's making additional money on the tool. Somewhere along the line, the owner is, is paying for it. And, and, and I want to tell everyone that Pete buys the tools for his techs yeah we supply every tool for our technicians john how about you uh i'm not there yet but i'm working on it right now i've got a crew who has everything needed and i don't see any changes coming uh i may be hiring a guy next month but he also already has tools my bigger thing is the uh in california we're required to pay double minimum wage um that's what kills me right now our minimum wage is 12 so, you know, 24, that's not so bad. But what happens when we get to 15? I got to pay entry tech 30 bucks an hour, and that's not going to happen. And so you will maybe, John, figure out that there is a, a line that you're going to cross in the next, say, say you, you hire an entry-level tech, and that person doesn't have the kind of tools. Will that be the decision that says, okay, I'm investing? Yes, absolutely. If I need an entry-level person who I want to grow, there's a whole topic into itself, too, is growing our techs because we're not going to be able to start hiring journey techs anymore. Um, but <clears throat> yes, absolutely. When I hire an entry-level tech, I will be providing his tools. 
That's a great question, Matt. Let me ask this to you. Uh, he said the word journey tech, Matt. Let's assume that you are at that level, and I know you are. And you say, for example, you go to a shop, you've got this huge investment, and they say, don't worry, Matt, you leave your tools at home. We have our stuff. And you say, whoa, wait a minute. This is, this is, these are, these are mine. These are my children. Is that, is that a factor? It's funny you bring this up. I was looking at applying at the Toyota dealership near me and they provide the toolboxes, the ratchets, sockets, everything. And I was like, how do you guys live with this? Like, I like my things. I know where they are because they had to be organized because there was an A crew, a B crew that worked. And I'm like, this would drive me nuts if you couldn't organize things. And I actually turned the job down because of that. I'm like, eh, it ain't worth it to me. Interesting, fellas. I mean, think about that. Here it is that, you know, you guys are pro buying tools, but the the tech himself. So maybe the point, Pete, how did you get that transition to happen? By kind of forcing it. So I, I, you know, I realized what was right and what was wrong and uh, kind of made the hard decision. It sounds like maybe that Toyota dealership has done the same thing. And certainly there are going to be some technicians say, hey, I've already, I've already gotten, you know, hornswoggled in the doing this great big purchase of tools. And I really strongly suspect that if Matt had gotten this opportunity at the Toyota dealership when he was first starting out, it would have been the greatest experience ever versus now once you had, once you've already spent the $60,000 farm, you don't think about it, right? The payments are done. You own all your tools. So it's, it's the, the pain is over at that point in time. Um, so, so the established guys, certainly it's not going to impact them as much. But it's the younger guys coming in to get that opportunity. I think it's a difference between being able to get into the automotive trade and not being able to be in the automotive trade. And the value of this discussion is really about our future. It sure. Really, it really is. And even though some shops have made that giant leap like you have, Pete, and John, you're thinking hard about it. And Matt, you're the guy that we can pull that from. You're the tool geek who, you know, who, who likes and wants and loves his stuff and wouldn't give up to use anyone else's but yet matt if you owned your own shop how would you approach this see i don't know i've had discussions with this all week with my buddies i don't know if i'd necessarily provide ratchets and sockets um my brother works at disney doing construction he has to provide a tool belt hammer some basic stuff so he's got some skin in the game to pay attention um and and be respectful of tools because if you've never bought that $150 snap-on ratchet, you don't appreciate it as much. Um, but I would provide a lot of things. Like the example is a GM water pump socket. Why does every tech have one in his toolbox? It's not necessary. Like there's no way you're doing 10 GM water pumps in one day unless you're at a dealer. And in that case, then it's a different story altogether. And you'll have a factory supplied tool in that case. Yes. Yeah. Right. So I just don't see the need to buy every tool, but I see the need to buy a lot of tools. And I think there is definitely a line drawn, if you want to say, that says shops must supply the following. And a scanner, programming devices should be it. Um, Big ticket items should not fall on the burden of text, which is what's happening today and why I think Pete's correct. The industry is not gaining new, smarter techs we've kind of kept this bad rap and we're going to keep keeping it that way. No, we're going to, we're going to change it. Uh, I'm confident there is, there is, there's a movement afoot and it may only be going inches at a time, but I, I think we're going to change. I mean, I, I, I'm prejudiced, I guess, or no, I, maybe I'm too close (laughs) to this thing is that, you know, I continue to interview such 
uh, great uh, shop owners. And, and when I hear the things that they're working on, I'm saying, wow, this is all so good. And I, I guess there is a reality out there that there is a bunch that isn't so good. And, and, and maybe the part of what we're doing here today is to get one of those um, shop owners out there to say, you know, maybe I should pay attention to this. I'm with Ron Haugen of Westside Auto Pros. Hey, Ron, why purchase a Jasper engine for your customer's car? Uh, the, the main reason we use Jasper is is they're known for quality, and we're known for quality. They line up with my company and my, and my company's commitment to our customers uh, You know, as a product. They're committed to me. Hey, Ron, are customers investing in their vehicle today? Absolutely. You, you know, we, we see the surveys from, from AAA and, and, and all the different people out there where the average age of a car on the road is 11 years old. Some are even saying 12 now. Uh, when you think about that, for every new car sold, that means there's a 22-year-old car being driven on a daily basis. To me, that's amazing. Uh, the only way we get an average age of a vehicle on the road like that is because people are reinvesting in a car. And, and I think the reason they're reinvesting in a car is, is the cost of a car. I mean, cars are thirty, forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars. You know, why not drop four, five, six, eight thousand dollars into repowering the vehicle and get it back on the road? Hey, Ron, thanks for your insights on Jasper. Thanks for asking. Let's go back to that specialty tool thing. Um, Pete, I guess uh, you, you find out that there's something new. Uh, do the guys come to you and says, hey, Pete, we need to get this, and there's a couple of choices. Which one should we get? Uh, absolutely. So, so my team is good about bringing me, hey, we're, you know, we've got this tool that we're going to need. I'm also I'm a tool junkie, right? So a lot of times I'm buying stuff before, like, like I'm, I'm the bad technician in the shop that, you know, that spends too much time on the tool truck, too much time on the internet, spending way too much time buying tools. Um, typically speaking, if we get a job that we've never done before, I've already researched, are there special tools that we need in order to do it? And I've already got them coming in so that we, we know we're going to have the tools to do the job. But um, when my guys and, and girls need tools, they say, hey, you know, this is what we need. You know, what can we do? Um, I evaluate it from a business standpoint. And is their request reasonable or you know, if, they're, if they're being wasteful? I'm not, I don't let them waste shop resources. But um, I'm also fortunate that I don't have a team that wants to waste our resources. They, they respect it and they appreciate it. And uh, they take care of it. So, yeah, we, 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 don't, we don't have, you know, every technician doesn't have a GM water pump socket. Every technician doesn't have a Honda, you know, balancer pulley holder. But those are tools that we don't need every single day. Mm-hmm. And um, so we, we have all those. We have a, this great, huge toolbox that has all those specialty tools into it. We have complete extra sets of tools set up. So when stuff gets missing, we can replace it instantly for guys and uh, just you know, keep things rolling and efficient that way. Pete, do you allow your techs to have their own tools there or not? Um, you know, for the right tech, we would make the exception for it. So it just so happens that our current team, you know, we supply all the tools for our current team. Um, if we decided to expand out with a technician who made sense to fit, that would fit our team and they had all their own tools, certainly we would make you know, an exception there and bring them in and you know, let them have their own toolbox. If they've already got them and they paid for them and Etc. Then you know I, I can understand them wanting to keep their tools. John, how far have you thought about bringing on a tech that doesn't that you are going to supply tools to? For example, um, 
a, a young grad uh, that you interviewed and you say, oh, my God, this guy was the top of his class. I, I have a, a great feeling about him. We're adding to our team. What would your investment be? Have you thought that far ahead? I wouldn't have a problem dropping 10 grand. I mean, that's that's a small toolbox, really, if you're buying Snap-on. You know, go with Mac or Matco, it might be a little bit less. But, you know, I think 10 grand is a very inexpensive investment. Yeah, it's a big upfront outlay, but so what? You get over it. And it, it's almost like you'll have a greater choice. Uh, you know, if you sit down with a couple of uh, young techs, uh, even a tech that maybe has the $10,000 box, but, you know, you've got a, you've got a, a station and your tools invested and you've got 20 sitting there. You've got a much bigger choice from the mar- from the pool, the labor pool, for, for, for guys that don't have the tools. Right. So what that does, Carm, is that allows us to shop for high-talent people, maybe not necessarily high-talent automotive mechanics, but high-talent and high-quality people that are in other trades. So if you, if you can fix a generator, you, know, you can fix a car, right? So if, you, if you're really, really good and you understand how electricity works and how nuts and bolts work and things of that nature, and you can fix a, you know, 20,000 watt generator, you can, you can, we can pull you into the car business, but you might not have the tools to be able to do it. Um, if you can work on, you know, forklifts or aircraft and things of that nature, and you don't have tools, well, now it expands the quality of the overall people that we can look for. Um, and believe me, other trades are doing it to us. Other trades are shopping the automotive trade because to work on cars, you got to understand engineering, fluid dynamics, electricity, like all like so much that you have to understand to be an auto mechanic that a lot of times you can go from being an auto mechanic to another trade and you're only using, you know, one fifth of your horsepower to work in that other trade. Yes. Uh, for example, uh, a podcast alumni left to go to work in the forklift repair business. Sure. Right. And, and they, they, they stole them for a lot of the reasons we're talking here. The advantage other companies have or other uh, trades have is that they offer the tools, they offer the training, they offer the benefits package that in many cases doesn't exist in our world. Yeah, that was it too. It was and it should benefits. exist. Yeah. It should exist. Absolutely. There's no reason that we can't offer that. Absolutely. Now, if I was new, young, just finished UTI because I went to UTI and I had just graduated, even if I had spent money like I did on tools and I met somebody like Pete or John and they're like, look, man, we will provide you tools. You come here. We provide training. We provide this and this and this. I, I would have just said, OK, I'll be there tomorrow. Like if there's shops out there that can hire these young guys and provide the training that we're not getting in the aftermarket, in my opinion, especially in the Orlando area. I mean, there's there's not a lot over here. They, they could hire some really sharp young guys from these schools and get big dollars savings because you can hire a young tech, train him to be a top A tech. You've paid for his tools. So, you, so, you know, you can pay him a little less, but you still got to pay him fair because it's a skill trade. Sure. But mm-hmm. you're, it's a win, win, win for the shop owner and the tech. I mean, I don't see why young <laughs> kids aren't jumping on it. And if you look at it from a from the standpoint of an ESO as well, which I, I, I kind of have two feelings about this, but as an ESO, if I'm providing my tools or the tools for the technician and they want to leave, it's harder for them to go anywhere. Certainly. Now, eventually that won't be the case, I think, as this catches on, but certainly early adopters, it's another advantage for early adopters of this kind of philosophy is it helps lock your team in. It gives them one more reason to stay and makes it harder for them to find a good place to go to 
Let's, so it's all about making your shop better, a better shop. Let's talk about the personal stress of not having the big payment, Pete. Have, have your guys ever come up to you and says, man, just thanks for doing this. Um, I, I don't have to face the payment and worry about where I'm going to get the money for the next tool. So my, my current team um, are people that I pulled from outside of the automotive trade, and they don't have really good perspective of uh, what it's like to have to make that payment on a regular basis. Um one of, one of my guys has a little bit of perspective because he was in another shop for a short period of time. He, he, le- he was at my shop and he left and he came back. And, um, and while he was gone, he, he had to buy some tools and, you know, he, it was kind of a shell shock thing for him. He had, he had some figuring out to do in that regard. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's one of those deals where they appreciate it for sure. And I'm not sure my team has as much appreciation as somebody that's had to do it would. Slight savings in labor costs. Yeah, so so right, so right, so from an economic standpoint, you can pay a technician le- a little bit less money than you would pay a technician that has their own complete tool set, and they'll make more. They'll make they'll net more money than you know they would if they had to buy all their own tools. They're spending ten thousand dollars a year on tools, and you're paying them five thousand dollars a year less than they would have made otherwise. They they're going to net five thousand dollars more you're going to save $5,000 more. So, so it's a win, win, win. And let me add another thought to that too. Um, I have a guy who I challenged to write a goal poster. So he did, which was really cool. Cause I didn't think I'd get it from him, but he did it. Part of his goal was to get some stuff paid off. So he paid off the tool truck and managed to buy himself a motorcycle, brand new Harley. And right. he's been a much better employee when he doesn't have that debt hanging over him anymore. Right. You feel like you're working for tools. So that's tough. I've been there. I've been the technician spending three, three hundred fifty dollars a week on tools. So I know what that's like. I know the heartache of that and the stress of that. Let's talk about efficiency. Is there going to be a higher degree of efficiency because you have that locked down cabinet, the process, the right tool in the right place at the right time? Because that's that's your driver, your driving force. I worked at one shop for a little bit. Um, it was probably the best shop I ever worked at. He was he very much reminded me of Pete. There, if you needed a specialty tool, he had it. I mean, we did BMWs, the Lamborghinis, cars I'd never worked on. And matter of fact, my first job was a clutch in a Maserati coupe. I'll never forget. It was a nightmare job. But he had all the special tools for it. And I, I would say the biggest problem I had, not knowing where the specialty tools were or what to look for, because eventually the little plastic case that tells you there's the GM water pump <laughs> or, hey, this is the part number um, for the Ford Mercury Mariner 3 liter to pull that pulley off to do the water pump. It's gone. <laughs> so I wasted a lot of time in the tool room being young and inexperienced because the guys were like twice my age working there and they'd all been there 20 plus years. They knew what this stuff was. So if I didn't go and ask like, hey, is this this tool? Because it kind of looks like the picture, but I'm not 100%. There was times where I'd waste an hour looking in the tool room. So I'd say it could go both ways. So we, we actually, we have a system for that, Matt. We, uh, we categorize all of our special tools and then we have special uh, like all of our drawers are numbered and our shelves are numbered in such a way that, you know, that tool lives in this particular spot. So there's a master sheet that you can flip through and go, all right, this tool lives. And we, you know, number one, we own this tool, right? It's somewhere here in the shop and this is its location in the shop of where it's supposed to live. We're, we're you know, sometimes it, it migrates, but typically, typically it's where it's supposed to be. So, <laughs> And for us, the organization is a work in progress. 
So having a specialty tool because you're going into a new platform or there's there's a new specialty tool out uh, really uh, probably builds loyalty from the team because you're willing to invest in it so that the so that you can pay the guy to do his job. Well, so and specialty tools are a great way to segue into becoming a shop that supplies all the tools, Carm. So it's a good place to start. You know, most shops are at least going to start with we're going to supply a scan tool. You know, maybe ten scan tools, maybe a scope, maybe you know, multimeters. Like you start, you start adding those things in, and then eventually, next thing you know, well, why why not just supply the ratchet and the sockets and the wrenches? Mm-hmm. We've, we've done supplied everything else, so this next little bit is the easy part. Mm-hmm. Got it. Got it. Hey, thanks, guys. I'm going to say two words. Side work. Matt, your rant on Facebook was all over that. So uh, how do you feel about that? I am all against side work. Um, and it's funny because it's not that I haven't done it. And I mean, come on, what tech hasn't? You know what I mean? But the people I do it for, um, they're close family friends. I don't charge them. They don't pay me. Um the only thing I ever ask is for parts and that's it. Um, but I, I just see so many problems in the industry over side work in my business now diagnosing cars for shops that, you know, the guys can't diagnose. I'm like, these are the people going out and doing side work. They can't diagnose a car in the shop with all the right tools. How in the world are you diagnosing a car outside the shop without the right tools? And it, it just drives me nuts. And I feel it's, it's a twofold cut down one, the first problem is, is you're selling your labor way too cheap. I mean, these guys are out there doing it for a flat rate of, I'm going to say 30 bucks an hour. A good shop is at $90 an hour. I'm going to say today on average, easy. So John's going higher. That's right. And I, I mean, bet you if we uh, ask Pete, Pete's going to do the same thing. Yes. Okay. Well, my area yes. is 90 bucks. So, right. <laughs> so $90 an hour, that guy's out there doing it for 30. Well, what's that doing? That's devaluing our market and our skilled labor and what it really costs to run a business. The next thing is, is if you're willing to sell your soul for 30 bucks an hour, why are you ever going to get a pay raise at the shop? The shop owner is just going to raise the rate and keep the money because you were okay with 30 bucks an hour at home. I mean, it's you're cutting yourself. You're devaluing what you know, your skill, your knowledge. People don't really look at this as a business perspective I'm learning that your knowledge, time, and skill is worth X amount of dollars, then your ability to, be do- to do it is worth something else, then how fast you do it is the final step in that. And we seem to just sell ourselves for book time cheap because, oh, we need the money to pay the tool bill, which is bad. And is that why the side work continues? Or is it is it just to have some cash in the pocket? Uh, it, it's both. I mean, I... <laughs> I never did a lot of side work. I've, I've, I'm a budgeter. My wife's a big budgeter. She tells me all the time I got a budget. Um, even my tools today, when I want to buy something, I budget it. And I might have, like I do now, I have a couple of payments I make on things because my OEM scanners are very expensive. But it's budgeted. And that money is there. And I don't exceed my budgeted amount. Um, but I can't imagine some of these guys' stresses of having that big tool bill. And then they're working for a low wage because the shop doesn't want to pay them. Well, the shop could afford to pay you if you sent all your side work there. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's... It, I just, got it. And, and then there's another big thing uh, called live within your budget. <laughs> and frankly, uh, there, there's so many Americans that aren't. And Depending on where you live, though, that can be very difficult. But you're you're absolutely right. Cost of living, um, needs and wants, is, it's terrible financial. Um, uh, the learning curve, uh, 
it's today nobody's going to school to learn how to do a checkbook <laughs> so and the, and the tool truck makes it so easy right yeah. they have this credit card mentality of yeah. you know whatever you need no problem we'll push your credit line up you're approved right no problem you're approved we got you we got you that extra credit you just got to figure out a way to sell your soul and pay for it <laughs> oh wow um so let me ask you guys a question what percentage of the techs in our industry do you believe are doing side work yeah, I would think a lot do. Most, yeah. most, 80, 90 percent? 75 minimum. Yeah, okay. 75 minimum. My take on side work is that the guys, whether they need the money or not, they're going to do it because the skill they have and they have the time and it puts extra money in their pockets. So it doesn't matter if they make $5,000 an hour working for me, they're still going to do side work because it's something they know how to do. All right. I have a friend who's an electrician. I have a circuit that's out good friend hey can you help me i mean that's gonna that's always gonna go on isn't it sure and i don't necessarily the buddy network yeah and, and he doesn't have to have you know the big box of tools if you will he just needs four or five tools probably to solve my problem to do a brake job today uh you don't need to have that ten thousand dollar toolbox you need to have that right. five hundred dollar toolbox fifty dollar toolbox my big grant on side work isn't the guy who helps his buddy out like i i I like to help a lot of single moms in the area. They're usually struggling. <clears throat> kind of makes me excited to help somebody. Um, and I don't get to turn wrenches very much anymore. It's just diagnostic. So an occasional break job, I'm all for it, you know? Um, but at the same token, I don't schedule it every weekend. When I'm talking about side work, what I'm defining as side work is, is that's that guy that comes on, comes home on Friday. There's six cars in the driveway. He works till 2 a.m. Saturday morning, four more cars, five more cars in the driveway. Sunday, four or five more cars. Then he goes work all week. I'm like, how do you care for your kids, your wife, your family? I mean, this brings a whole nother debate about, you know, why the, the divorce rate so high because nobody spends time with each other anymore. I mean, I love having my weekend with my two-year-old and four-month-old son. It, you so, couldn't, there's not enough money to pay me to take that away anymore. Be, be, before I had Pete's Garage, I was that guy. So I, I would work at, my, at the dealership eight hours and I would go work eight hours in the, every evening working on cars just about. And, uh, you know, it, it, as, as much of a shame as that might be, it allowed me to pay for creating Pete's Garage too. So mm -hmm. it's kind of, it's, it's a tough, that's a, a tough situation there because I know for sure if I, left Pete's garage and went back to work at a shop, I probably would do side work again. So the, the money was good and, you know, I enjoyed it. And uh, now granted now I am a dad and a husband and all those other things that, that I wasn't then. So then it was just me. So it was really just about making money and setting up my future. Then um, I certainly don't work nearly as hard now as I did 20 years ago. <laughs> do uh, shop owners, anybody know shop owners that say to their team, Hey, listen, we're doing a Monday through Friday. I really, really want you to have uh, you know a good work-life balance. I want you to enjoy your weekend I'm providing you tools or I'm not. It doesn't matter. Is is that dialogue going on to not to get the tech to do less side work, but to have them recognize when you're here, I want you present for the five days, eight hours a day. Right. Yeah. So we're, we're a five day a week shop. We don't do Saturdays, Sundays. We don't do late nights. I want my team to have their weekend and do what they want on their weekend. You know, we take lots of holidays off to my shop. And um, so take that time and you know, if you want to spend it with your family, that's great. If you want to spend it at a second or third job, that's great. If you want to spend it doing side work, that's great. So long as it doesn't impact my shop. And it typically won't because people that are working for somebody doing side work at a $30 an hour rate, 
They're not doing it for people that could ever possibly afford my shop. Bingo. And you know what, John and Matt, you just said that, you know, don't do the side work, bring it here. They're not going to pay 90, 110, 120 bucks at, at that shop. Am I right? I, I, I agree. But here's the catch 22. If, if you could get the industry standard to stop doing it, these people are going to have to pay it, right? Because nobody's going to fix their car. And even the shops that are starting out that are cheaper labor rates, because I understand, you know, I'm, I'm using $9 on average. So there's shops that are 60 and there's shops that are 150 in this area. And I get that. But if you could stop the $30 an hour guys to help boost the $60 an hour shops, maybe then that shop can afford to go to Vision or send text to Vision because they had more income. I don't know. I dream big, but yeah, I, you know what? I, I, I totally agree, but I also think it goes deeper than that. Where this isn't the, the the forum for that, but I think business management and marketing and you know working on your business, not in it, is is an awful lot to do with the guy who's at sixty and struggling. I mean, it's 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 more than side work at that point. Agree. Wow, and we could go on ad nauseum about that. Wow. <laughs> Retention, Pete. You may have brought that up a little earlier, you know, about having a guy think twice before he would leave you. Is is that a factor? Well, you know, I, I think in today's day and, day and age, it, it takes more than money to keep an employee working for you. So money money is a factor for sure. I think you have to have additional things that keep people wanting to work for you. So you, every business, regardless if it's auto trade or otherwise, has to look at what are we doing employee retention wise? You know, are we doing 401ks? Are we doing things that are, you know, going to keep people wanting to stay here? And I think supplying tools, supplying training, you know, hours that are you know really appealing. I think those kind of things are the kind of pieces that keep people wanting to stay. And certainly with the tools, it makes it harder for a technician to leave in today's day and age right now. If the shop supplies all the tools, that's you know a couple hundred dollars a week difference that they need to account for in their paycheck if they're going somewhere else. If they're moving to another shop, they're looking at a minimum hundred bucks a week in tool payment, and a lot of times more in the two to three hundred dollar a week range. So if they want to keep their tool supply you know rolling and and, and growing, um, I think that it would give a lot of guys pause to say, hey, you know what, this is a pretty good situation. Why am I even looking at other stuff? Because this works here. You know, my boss supplies what I need. You. Know, I get lunches, you know, three to five times a week. And, you know, like, you know, we get to do things the way we want to do them, do quality work on cars. I think that people just overall, who wouldn't want to work in that scenario? John, could you guess what an average weekly payment from one of your techs is? From that, but I'm I, I'm with Pete. It's going to be at least a hundred for anybody that's got anything worth anything. All right. So that's five grand. Pete, I heard you mentioned 200. That's 10 grand. Right. Um, wow. A year, right? A year. Bingo. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, so a know. year. So that starts really adding up. You know, you're talking in a five year span, tech spending 50 grand a year on tools, mortgage, property taxes, car <laughs> payment. So, right. So a lot of times, yeah, a lot of times the technician spends more on tools than they spend for any of their other bills that they're working with. Sometimes if you got a nice house, maybe your mortgage is more, but there's also going to be scenarios where you're paying more for tools than you're paying for, you know, your apartment or, you know, the, the house that you live in. So, um, which is crazy. Do the wives really know what that payment is? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Not only do they know, but they complain daily. So I, I, this is a funny aside related to this. I had a technician buddy of mine that I worked with 20 some years ago at a Jeep dealership. And uh, he used to have his tool payments 
that he owed to the to the tool company, not to the tool truck guy, the tool company payments mailed to the dealership that he worked at so that his wife wouldn't know. And one one day she stopped by, right? Yeah, right. So you see where this is going. One day she stopped by and saw this big giant toolbox that was two weeks old. And she went as off on him as you could possibly imagine, yelling, screaming, making a big scene about it, it was on an eight thousand dollar toolbox. And uh, cool as a cucumber, he sat and he looked at her when, when she was done yelling, and he said, "It's a loner toolbox, right?" <laughs> oh man, I, my jaw hit the floor. I couldn't believe it. And she said, "She said it's a what?" He said, "Well, it's a loner toolbox." And she said, well, "What are you talking about?" He said, "Well, I damaged one of the drawers on my toolbox, so I had to send it out and get it fixed." And she ate it up. So I mean, so here we are now on top of all the tool bills. We're lying to our spouses about. That kind of stuff, but but he, I mean, he sold it to her, and then two weeks later, he he told her that the toolbox was not fixable, and he had to get another toolbox, and she that's ate a, it up. It's a drug habit, right? Yeah, it, right. It is really, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. So if, if I hadn't watched it happen, I wouldn't have believed it. <laughs> wow. And he learned how to lie from Michael Corleone. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. I was married approximately three weeks. Um, I was working at a tire store, believe it or not, as their lead tech. And the snap-on guy had come by one day and he had a toolbox, brand new. And I'd been looking at buying a new toolbox and he had locked it and the drawers all came open. They were all dented. So of course it was a huge discount. So I went home that night, made my wife a nice dinner and I said, Hey, I really would like to buy this toolbox. And she looked at me and said, how much is it? And I said, it's 5,000 bucks, triple bank snap-on, you know? I said, it's just, just what it costs. And she goes, all right, I want to see it. If I'm going to spend $5,000 of our money, I want to see what we're buying. And so the, like the next week, the Snap-on guy, we met at the Wawa. He, he showed her the box, what it was, showed her retail cost. And she's like, well, is this in our budget? And we had a logical conversation about it. I mean, there was no denying it. And so I did. I ended up buying the box. I was quite surprised my wife let me. <laughs> I'm still in <laughs> to this day. But I mean, it's funny you mentioned that because I literally would walk my wife through what tools cost, what it is. And then when, you know, and she'd be like, I can't believe you can afford this on what they're paying you. And I'm like, you have to make it work. So it, it was what it was. Guys, did you just hear what he just said? You have to make it work, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, did you hear right. me and the wife are partners in this right. stuff? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, is yeah. that 1% of the industry, right? Probably, probably less than 1%. Yeah. Wait, listen. Three weeks I was married. Three weeks. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, yeah. All right. I understand. I understand. Still, I want to keep things happy. You want to stay married. Yeah. 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 I, I got it. Hey, listen, uh, I think we have really done justice to the subject, and, and we could go on and on. But I, but I, I love the fact that we covered so much ground in, uh, in about 38 minutes. Guys, let's, let's end this. I want to give you all the last word. Guys, um, loyalty. Let's cover loyalty once again. By buying tools, are we going to create a more loyal tech to the business? John, I'll let you go first. Uh, I think we will have some loyalty, but that's not going to be all of it. It's going to be the whole package. It's going to be tools, uh, lunches, dinners. One of the things we did a couple of weeks ago was went out for dinner after a good month. The guys appreciated that a lot more than all the monetary stuff I do for them. So yeah, the tools are a part of it, but it really is going to be everything you put together. Got it. Thanks. Matthew. I'm with John on this. I think if the shop's already doing the other stuff and you throw tools on top of it, that tech's never going to leave. 
I mean, if they, if you can give them a good reason to stay, they're going to stay and they're never going to leave. And if they stay, you're just going to make more money off them in the long run as a shop owner, because they're going to be loyal. They're going to stay with you. You're going to know what tickets to assign to what person from a business standpoint. I, I think it's kind of a no brainer. Thank you, Peter. Thank you so much for bringing this subject to us. And thanks for anchoring, man. Always. <laughs> your your last word. You know, my last word is kind of kind of twofold. My, my first message is going to be to the technicians that are out there that are buying your own tools. You know, eventually, hopefully that's going to change for you and you'll get in a situation where you find, you know, the, the right shop that values you better and you know, buys tools for you, supplies your tools and doesn't expect to break your back you know, financially and physically, we expect a lot out of our technicians. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a rough trade in that regard. But those of you that are buying your tools, you know, get them paid off, man. Start learning how to pay cash for those tools so that you'll make better decisions overall. And for the shop owners that aren't buying tools for your technicians, start thinking about it. You're going to attract better people. You're going to attract more loyal people. And economically, you're going to save money. The numbers don't lie economically, it's what's best for your shop. So in the best interest of your shop, supplying tools is going to got to be a high priority. And Pete, I, I, can I add something to that? I want to book yeah. in that about the future technicians that are coming out. And, and if we're going to recruit them into the industry, which we have to, the science, technology, engineering, and math uh, kids that are coming out of all the, all the trade schools, it'd be cool to sit down in, a, in, a, in an open house at a college saying, you know, you don't need that investment to come to work for me. That's right, got absolutely. to be a draw. Absolutely, right. So it's got to be. It's got to be something that'll attract the top talent. The top talent. Well, hey guys, thanks. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Town Hall Academy. Another great subject. Another great week. Appreciate it. Enjoy your always weekend. great job, Corm. Thanks. Good talking with you guys. Thanks, guys. Beautiful job, guys. Thanks. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time.